You're listening to 1881, powered by the American Hereford Association and part of the Hereford Network. Here's your host, Shane Bedwell. Welcome back to another episode of 1881. This is your host, Shane Bedwell, and we're certainly excited to bring you the content uh, right after an exciting annual meeting. It was pandemonium. Uh, We had great attendance, and uh, it was just, like every year, fun to get membership together uh, with staff and uh, board of directors and just hear about uh, all the exciting things that are happening uh, in the Hereford seed stock business and uh, share ideas. We had a great crowd in Kansas City, uh, as big as I've seen it here in, in recent times, and uh, just a lot of enthusiasm. Of course, we had uh, great uh, Hall of Fame and Hall of Merit inductees, golden breeders, uh, several scholarships uh, that were that were handed out to the youth, and it was just a a great celebration of uh, the Hereford victories over the last uh, year. And so we thought it was important here in the next month, uh, the next several weeks, to bring you some of the content from the educational forum. And we had great crowds uh, during the duration of that. We would have started early in the morning at 7 with uh, Lee Mayo and uh, some of the folks at PMS, Garrett Parsons, talking about the feed out and the fed steer shootout and some of the data of what we've learned from that. And, uh, you know, I would encourage you to go back if you haven't and listen to the HRC uh, podcast with Lee Mayo. I think it covered a lot of the things that we shared in that, but uh, there'll also be uh, access to a white paper uh, that that you'll have available to you uh, coming to you uh, very soon. So, um, we, we have great content to, to bring you here in the next uh, several weeks. And, and one of those I think is very important uh, as we move forward is our strategic plan. And uh, it's important. It gives us uh, as staff uh, guidelines to follow. And I think it keeps membership in line uh, with what uh, we're going to be uh, facing. And, you know, it was, uh, it was put together um, through our board of directors and it's a, it's a typical plan uh, that, uh, what, what we've done. And I, I'm really excited about it. And, uh, Mr. Kevin Oshner, uh, is joined with us today. And, uh, we're going to have a little bit of insight from him because he was, uh, one of the facilitators and again, no stranger to, uh, the Hereford breeders because he's been involved in our strategic plans here for several years. So Mr. Kevin Oshner, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Shane. I really appreciate that, and uh, I would I would just concur with you. I felt a lot of enthusiasm for uh, the Hereford breed and the beef industry at large during your convention. So I compliment you on a on a wonderful convention and a very action packed and educational day. At least that I was I was participating in or had the opportunity to participate in. You all did an outstanding job. Well, thank you, and uh, you know it, it was a it was a joy to have you uh, at the convention at the meeting, uh, but it's also been a joy to have you uh, with us, um, you know, going back to the, I think this is your fourth or fifth strategic plan that you've uh, helped facilitate, Kevin? I think that's right, Shane. I mean, uh, I believe it started in 2000, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and um, I've had an opportunity to, to, to work with your organization about every five years since then in strategic planning efforts, and then, of course, uh, had a fun time. I think it was in 2014 or 15 yep. when we did that symposium down in Missouri. And right. so I feel like I've gotten to know um, both your staff and and a lot of your breeders over that time and have just come to have a lot of respect for uh, not only the Hereford breed, but the people that make up the Hereford breed. Certainly. So, uh, you know, before we kind of jump into the plan and uh, kind of how we uh, went about it, uh, Kevin, why don't you share a little bit of background about yourself for our listeners that, uh, maybe don't know you as well. Sure. You know, for a lot of people in the beef cattle industry, Shane, uh, they probably immediately think of me as uh, someone who hosts uh, Cattlemen and Cattlemen TV show on RFD TV. Uh, that may be my uh, my most well-known, if you will, um, uh, job uh, that, uh, that people in the beef industry are familiar with. But the reality is that, that that's only been a very uh, small portion of, of my professional career. 
Uh, for the last 30 years, 31 years now, I guess, I've been in the agribusiness consulting industry. And I guess just to, to back up um, uh, a little bit, like many folks that are listening, grew up on an irrigated um, cattle or irrigated uh, farming and cattle operation in Fort Collins. Uh, my dad actually um, raised the first crossbred steer ever to win Colorado State Fair uh, back in the 1970s. And and then I grew up showing some calves and we got into the limousine business and grew up through the junior limousine program. And then, of course, uh, I was actively involved in 4-H and, and FFA and uh, remind me to come back to that in just a moment because that that connects back to the Hereford breed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, participating in livestock judging at the 4-H uh, and collegiate level and then ultimately serving as a state and national FFA officer. And Shane, it was during that uh, year as as a national officer that uh, that I had the opportunity to to meet with and and you know, be introduced to a gentleman who had started an agribusiness consulting company back in Indianapolis. Uh, consequently, I I went ahead and uh, did an internship with that organization. And then in 1991, when I graduated from Colorado State University, I uh, I went to work for them full time. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I worked for that organization for 23 years and spent, uh, I guess, nine or 10 years in Indianapolis, uh, became a partner of that business. Once our first child was born, Julie and I decided we wanted to get moved back closer to family and have an opportunity to raise our kids more similarly to the way we were raised, um, as opposed to a, uh, a cul-de-sac in Indianapolis. Yeah. And so we moved back to Colorado and bought a place here along South Platte River and started uh uh, building a, a cow-calf operation, a registered seed stock operation, and have been uh, satellite cooperator herds for for Wolf Cattle Company for the last 15 years in the limousine and Limflex business, and uh, and continued my consulting uh, practice. And I guess the reason that that you all engage me in this effort is is less about my cattleman to cattleman and and uh, uh, my own personal involvement in the beef cattle industry, and 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 more about the the background I've had in agribusiness consulting over the last 31 years, working for companies like yourselves or organizations like yourselves, but also uh, companies ranging from um, you know large uh, animal health organizations, ag equipment companies, seed companies, uh, chemical companies. I just got back from Canada about a week ago, working with a large farm organization north of the border as well, and so. Um, in my Monday through Friday work, I, I spent a lot of time helping people uh, make decisions and develop strategies and then uh, implement those strategies in their organizations to to move their organizations forward towards uh, towards their specific goals and objectives. Sure. And, uh, you know, having the breadth of background that you do, you know, I think helps. Uh, you know, I've been a part of two strategic plans with you and it's sure. uh, it, it's it's nice to have uh, you know, and I think uh, you know your consulting business uh, with your other clients uh, allows you know some key input. Uh, yeah, you know, in in uh, the conversations that we have, and I think most importantly, what I enjoyed uh, from both strategic plans that I've been a part of is bringing some of those folks yeah. that you've done business with to give their perspectives, uh, because yeah, sometimes been... we we get so blinded. Uh, in our path and uh, sharing what others are doing outside of uh, the beef business. I think it's critical. I mean, I, I clearly the beef industry is different than any other industry out there, but that doesn't mean we can't learn. And I think one of the quotes I shared during the uh, the session down in Kansas City is that uh, uh, quote by Eric Hoffer years ago that said, in, in times of drastic change, it's the learners who inherit the future. The learned usually find themselves equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so I, I think we got to be learners and, and, and not, uh, you know, my, my son uh, picked up a quote that, that, uh, uh, that Kurt Pate shared with him. I don't think he was the originator, but it was, and he uses it a lot uh, uh, relative to, you know, it's, it's, it's what we learn once we think we know it all that really counts. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I think our ability to learn from all kinds of industries and so to your point, Shane, uh, you know, this last time, the, the chance to bring in some really cutting edge market research, the opportunity to hear from a gentleman who has spent his life breeding plants from bare crop science and challenging us in that area. Uh, you know, a couple of sessions ago, I guess the last session, we we got some really interesting input from both the chicken and pork industry and folks that have spent their life in the genetics business there. And so, yeah, I, I hope that's one of the things I bring my clients is is being broad across the agricultural and food industry. I hope I can 
I can connect some dots, create some networks, and also just bring some learnings, if you will, to to challenge the the organization. Um, at the end of the day, this is your strategic plan, and uh, but but what I like to do is try to set the table, and then allow you guys to to quote unquote serve the meal. Right, right. Well, we would have got started, Kevin, with this process of uh, what a year and a half ago. Uh, I remember setting. Yeah in the boardroom in, uh, California and, uh, you know, the board, uh, they'd been talking about it, you know, for a few months, uh, prior to that, but, uh, you know, they, they, uh, said, okay, it's time. Uh, we need to get, uh, onto the next plan. Uh, we've exhausted the, the latest one and, uh, it's time to get some fresh ideas and, and get mm-hmm. going. And so it's a, it's a long process, right. To get to the finish line. You know, I think to do it correctly, you're right, um, because I, I think, um, you know, it's important that strategic planning involves a, lo- a level of, of data uh, gathering and information analysis um, that uh, that can't happen overnight. And so uh, so I was thrilled when uh, when Jack called and, and said that that uh, the board had decided to utilize both myself and Dr. Tom Field, who is a fraternity brother and a mentor of mine was a professor of mine when I was at Colorado State University. And so it was just a treat for Dr. Field and I to have a, a reason to communicate regularly and work on a project together. And uh, and so uh, I was thrilled when I when I heard the news that you all were going to engage me again in this process. And so we we outlined a process, as, as you know, Shane, that that included, um, you know, let's let's try to understand what's happening in the world around us. Um, Another favorite quote that I share with many of my audiences comes from uh, uh, John Maxwell, who says, um, you know, before we attempt to set things right, um, we need to make sure we see things right. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I think part of that is getting outside our breed bubble, so to speak, and, and, you know, asking thought leaders in the industry where this thing's headed. And I think it was a really appropriate time. Obviously, we were just trying to conclude with with COVID and trying to understand what the experience of COVID or with COVID was going to mean to the beef industry and beef consumption and consumers and and, and everything else. And so we started, Shane, with um, a set of personal interviews with about 14 or 15 industry thought leaders. I mean, these are people uh, that have senior positions at, um, you know, large cow calf operations and feed yards and packers and genetics companies and um, economic. And we talked to an agricultural banker. I mean, we were trying to, to run the gamut of, of um, big picture thought leaders of, of what, where is this beef complex going? Uh, in addition to that, as you'll recall, we did five virtual focus groups uh, mm-hmm. with, I think, 35 or 40 people, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Tom and I were able to do those uh, together, and um, and that was fantastic because in those focus groups, we engaged uh, really a, a broad mix of people, including both Hereford breeders, as well as commercial folks, uh, extension agents, again, folks that, that sell semen, uh, folks that are uh, in the... Um, um, the, the livestock marketing industry and and uh, representatives of sale barns and, and and video auctions and so forth, so so those became you know I think really really practical in terms of saying what do you see happening in your location and what are the issues and trends that are impacting um, commercial cattlemen and, and the beef industry at large, and then of course uh, we followed all that up with um, a member survey uh, and uh, and I was thrilled and and as I shared in Kansas City. Jane, I, I want to compliment your membership because, you know, you, you never know just how many people are going to fill something like that out. Um, we had 1,130 or 35 uh, members complete that from, I think, 31 different states. Right. Um, that's phenomenal. And, and I think that speaks to a level of engagement of your members, that that members have opinions, they they want to be heard. And of course, the best way to be heard is is working with and through your individual board members. But this gave us an opportunity for people in a anonymous way to to share their thoughts and feelings, um, and and we collect a lot of really good information from that. So those were kind of our three big input uh, elements, if you will. And uh, if you recall, uh, as a board, we had several Zoom calls. We we got together last year at Cattlemen's Congress and. Uh, Tom and I shared some of the initial research findings then to try to get the, the board to begin thinking about some of the key issues that were percolating up. 
And then we met for a couple of days in Kansas City with the entire board, have a very engaging session there. And uh, and then, of course, as, as, as you know, um, you and I and, and Jack met several times. And, and I know you had your own internal meetings with your staff following yeah. that board meeting as we began trying to put meat on the bone. So, mm-hmm. Shane, I thought it was a very, very comprehensive process. I thought we um, gathered a lot of really good information. I believe we stimulated the board to to think in 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 you know new ways, um, and uh, and then allowed them the freedom and flexibility to separate the wheat from the chaff and to say, hey, here's here's what I believe is going to be pertinent and important to the the Hereford industry, and here's some other information that's interesting, but I don't think uh, we really need to address it at this point in time, and. Ultimately, that is the, the 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 role of a board of directors to make those those decisions. Right, right. So you know, before we kind of get into the actual plan and kind of what uh, the board would have formed and kind of landed on, let's maybe share a little bit uh, of of the findings uh, from sure. you know the membership survey and uh, that that key focus group that we had. Yeah. No, I think there was some. There were some interesting findings, and, and we could we could spend an entire podcast on those alone. And I I, I hope uh, that those are things that both the board and the staff continues to to look back on because I think they're very very informative as as we move forward. But you know I I think big picture um, some of the key trends that were coming from those uh, discussions is there is you know certainly a movement towards more integration and coordination in the supply chain up and down the entire supply chain and. Uh, you know, we heard people talking about, um, you know, what Walmart has done and the 44 Farms deal. And that was even before the Walmart investment in the sustainable beef plant there in North Platte and so forth. And so the the point is that I, I think the, the writing's on the wall, so to speak, and that increasingly as we move to the future, um, we are seeing an industry that is connecting and is trying to connect you know, genetic decisions all the way through the production chain and uh, management practices all the way through brand claims. Uh, And I think that's just going to continue. Now, will we ever be integrated like the chicken industry? I sure hope not, Shane, and I don't think we will. But but I think it's wrong to assume that we won't be coordinated. And that means that, you know, we have to influence not just the person who is purchasing a bull, but but if he is already engaged in a system or a coordinated system that he has a home or she has a home for those feeder calves, um, that downstream, um, you know, value chain participant, it's going to be, you know, influencing that genetic decision a lot. So, sure. so it speaks to who we have to influence. Sustainability was a big topic, right? Uh, we could not talk to anybody on the phone without referencing the fact that in the beef industry, we are going to have to document um, and prove um uh, some improvement in the sustainability effort. Uh, and some of it is just documenting what we're already doing. In other cases, it's about developing metrics and, and ways to measure that that we can demonstrate continual improvement. Uh, we talked a lot about, you know, consolidation that's happening and how that changes, how that changes things at the cow-calf level. We're, we're seeing a new generation take over a lot of these ranches and they are more data and information based and um, you know, they're kind of of the opinion, show me the money, show me, show me that it works and it makes sense. Yep. Um, you know, some of the other things that, that I think were important that, that we're, you know, gathering. And, and one thing that you all should be very encouraged by, Shane, is there's there's an underlying current that we heard over and over again in these uh, in these focus groups and interviews that, um, you know, we, we've got to return our focus to a maternal cow herd. That, that we have spent so much time trying to improve the in product quality and gosh, the industry has done an incredible job of that, uh, which has led, as you know, to um, record, you know, increases in, in beef demand, not just here in the United States, but around the globe. Yep. Not that we can't stop focusing on that. And certainly the Hereford breed has got to make sure that you don't, uh, you aren't the reason that, that, that puts cattle into the gutter from a, you know, from a, yield standpoint or from a marbling and quality grade standpoint. I mean, that is very, very clear. Don't, don't hear me wrong. But what we heard over and over again is that commercial cow people are getting frustrated with, uh, with, with, with cows that fall out as two or three years old, uh, with feet that are going bad, with cows that are so big and inefficient that it's hard to keep them in, in good condition. 
Um, and, and so, so we heard, uh, you know, comments from people that that they want to make sure their their factory is functioning, per, you know, correctly. And I think that was that was one of the big takeaways. And 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 one of the things around that shame that I think is really interesting is this whole concept of optimums versus maximums. Yes. Right. Um, and and folks saying that, uh, you know it's not just who has the heaviest weaned calves and it's not just did you get five dollars more for your calves at the sale barn but does anybody calculate if you saved a half a ton of hay on all your cow herd last year through the winter because they were more efficient and at some point in time there's a profitability discussion here as opposed to a maximum discussion that, that i think is important to the industry and I suspect that uh, the Hereford breed has an opportunity to really capitalize on. Undoubtedly. I can't wait. I mean, there, are, there will always be coffee shop talk, right? <laughs> but it would be nice uh, that the coffee shop talk went to more of the, the bottom line rather than, hey, I did this and I did that. Uh, you know, and it's, it's changing. I think what you folks, you know, you said about the young people. Yes. Uh, coming back is that they are more conscious of the bottom line yes. um, of, of what they've taken on as young people coming back to ranch. Yes. You know, in a very challenging kind of environment, environment. is that they they're looking at it. So, well, and I think we're, you know, I mean, we're sitting here doing this podcast in a, you know, at a time when we have 41 year highs in inflation and, and, uh, you know, we're seeing feed costs. I know I just bought some additional lower quality hay last week that kind of rung my bell again, you know, uh, hopefully being able to sell some some of my alfalfa hay and use some of that lower quality feed. But the point is that these feed costs, I think, are changed. We're in a different kind of environment, right, as an example. And so so I think maybe there was a time when uh, folks could say, you know what, quality at any cost. Let's just Let's just, you know get as much weaning weight as we can off this ranch. Let's get as much quality in the feed yard and whatever it costs to get there from an efficiency standpoint is a rounding error. Um, you know, we, we'll just, we'll just spend what it takes. And, and I think two things are happening. Number one, this inflation that we're talking about and just the overall cost of everything from, from fuel uh, to fertilizer uh, and, and all of our input products uh, causing a, a you know a more focus on efficiency, and then the other thing I, I think that is happening is this whole sustainability movement, where you know th this whole concept of how many pounds of beef are we creating for um, for, for every um, you know for, for all the the methane that we are uh, offsetting, if you will, or how much how much production do we have, if you will, versus um, the methane and, and the carbon footprint we're creating. And I think that speaks to efficiency. So I think those two things combined is going to cause us to not to throw a blind eye towards quality. Do not hear me wrong. People have got a taste for the good stuff. They are going to expect and demand a high quality eating experience. That is table stakes. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a both and not an either or. And and I think that the, the breeds and the, the cattlemen who figure out how can we deliver a high quality product more efficiently and cost effectively next year than we did last year are going to be the folks that are in the driver's seat long-term. Well, Kevin, let's, uh, you know, I think that's a great segue into, uh, you know, what is the strategic plan and kind of what was formed uh, through our time together. And, uh, you know, every, every good plan has to have a vision and a mission statement, you know, and that's something as a uh, staff, you challenged us you know, to always go back to and, uh, you know, our day-to-day -day work and uh, something to remind us, you know, of what we're doing here in this office has to be focused around uh, both of these statements. Um, you're absolutely right, Shane. Um, you know, in any organization, it's critically important to uh, to, to ground yourself in, in a solid vision and mission. And for those people who have participated in these planning processes, you know that a vision is meant to be aspirational and inspirational. It, it's meant to be um, just out of reach, but not out of sight, right? I mean, vision is meant to to direct our attention to a time when we can that, that we can envision, but maybe we're not there right now. Mm -hmm. And so um, this board um, took a look at the previous mission 
and, uh, and decided that it needed to be changed a little bit. And so they designed a mission that is specifically to establish Hereford genetics as the essential component of the U.S. beef cow herd. And, and I think that's a pretty inspirational vision. I think we could remember a time in the United States when there were a lot of Hereford cows and when uh, they were a, an essential component. And, uh, and yet, um, you know, that has changed over time. And, and so as we talk to people uh, through those interviews and those focus groups, people referenced uh, the black baldy cow and the red baldy cow and the tiger stripe cow. Yeah. And, and they talked about those. In fact, I remember one person talking about the, the queen of the range, they, they called, I think they were referencing the black baldy cow. And, and, and so this board said, you know, we've got to get back there. We, we've got to be in a place where people recognize that having Hereford influenced commercial females adds to the profitability and sustainability of a cow herd. Um, so I think that's an incredibly inspirational vision, Shane. Yes. You know, and I, uh, the mission, you know, kind of follows kind of right along with some of those, uh, those key focuses and kind of gets more into the different departments, uh, sure. of what we can do to get there. Yeah. And, and, and I think as I talk and work with a lot of different breed associations, uh, one word comes up more often than any other, and that's the word called relevance. Right. And and the reality is that we live in a world today where through genetic and genomic testing, um, you know, we, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that a breed association is going to do to add value long term to its members? Um, you know, gone are the days when the breed association was the only way that I could market my cattle. If there wasn't an ad in the breed publication, nobody would know about them. Um, gone are the days that, that the only thing I know about an animal is a five or six generation pedigree. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have other ways to, to discern and, and, and to identify genetic differences. And so the mission needs to be what gets us up every day and why is there a need for an American Hereford Association? And your board referenced the fact that, that really our focus needs to be to drive beef industry and Hereford breed sustainability by ensuring cattle producers long-term profitability through pedigree registration, genetic evaluation, breed improvement tools, and educational services. And and so the the things that come to my mind there are, number one, let's be clear, the way we are in business in the next hundred years is making certain that the people that utilize her for genetics are profitable, period, end of story. And right now, the scope of our activities tends to be in these areas of pedigree, pedigree registration, genetic evaluation, breed improvement tools and educational services. And I think you all are are certainly uh, doing a wonderful job uh, with some innovative activities in each one of those areas. Well, and from there, you know, uh, kind of got the, the two, uh, two bullets kind of covered with the vision and mission. And then, uh, yeah. you know, from, from all of the, the pre-work and uh, the board discussion work there during the, the, the spring board meeting in April, formed five core strategies and uh these are kind of the pillars you know of what uh, each department and uh, cross department will focus on so let's let's kind of cap off uh uh these five and and kind of dive into them a little bit kevin no i like that and and i love i love your definition of pillars i i use that often uh with clients is that think of these as the pillars that uh, that allow us to uh to, to hold up if you will uh, or, or to aspire towards a set of overarching uh, objectives and, and goals that we have as an organization. The five that this uh, board landed on are number one, capitalize on the value of the Hereford influence commercial female. Um, secondly, document, communicate, and improve Hereford's sustainability story. Third one is around certified Hereford beef. It was very, very clear that a lot of your members believe certified Hereford beef is a wonderful pull-through demand driver for Hereford genetics, and they want to see growth and improvement made in that area. And so they're interested in investing and fueling the growth of certified Hereford beef. The fourth core strategy is to increase the demand for Hereford-influenced feeder cattle. Uh, Shane, we heard a lot of people saying that their biggest frustration right now is the discounts they get, both in, um, you know, feather-necked and red cattle and Hereford-influenced cattle. 
Um, and, and so they really believe that has to be one of the, the, the key pillars. And, and the final core strategy, uh, we said build a pipeline of future leaders. And one thing that's a little different here, you know, the last time we did this, we had a strategy specifically related to the junior organization. And I think, um, you know, the, the board was real sensitive that this, the, the way we've worded this statement does not indicate that there will be any less emphasis on, on what has become one of your crown jewels of your organization, which is a wonderful junior program. But instead, that uh, this board says, we, we got to think about leadership broadly. We got to not only think about these young people who are junior members, but we got to build a pipeline of leaders for future board members. That's right. We got to build a pipeline of leaders that are serving in industry positions. Mm -hmm. And so um, this broadened it to, to, to think more uh, inclusively about all the audiences within the organization where we want to build and create leaders, not just the junior program. Certainly. And I, I'm looking forward to this. I think there's a lot of opportunity uh, from those juniors graduating and becoming, uh, you know, uh, young adult breeders. Um, and, and we'll get into that here a little bit later about some of those initiatives around the strategy, but, uh, I'm excited about strategy one, uh, this, this capitalizing on the Hereford influence, commercial females, uh, wherever they're at, wherever Hereford genetics are, are That's at. Right. I mean, th this, this gets me, uh, pumping here. Strategy one. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute, because I, I, as I shared with people in Kansas City, if if you didn't go home from Kansas City understanding anything else, I hope people left saying there is going to be a laser-like focus in the Hereford breed at, at trying to um, engage Hereford genetics across the commercial beef industry. Uh, and I think the time is right. I think there's an appetite for that, uh, Shane, based on the, the research and what we heard from people. And I think it belongs, uh, it, it really begins with, with something we've known for a long time, and that's good old-fashioned heterosis, right? Um, the, the beautiful thing that we heard from a lot of people is, is because you have kept your breed pure, um, the, the level of heterosis that exists when people utilize Hereford um, on, on top of, of their various base cow herds is incredible. And so, uh, and, and the value of maternal heterosis is phenomenal as, as you know, um, given your background. Certainly. So some of the key elements, you know, we talked about here is, is again, we, we need to find a way not only to document, but to promote that maternal heterosis. We, we need to focus on creating this, this very efficient cow. Uh, we need to capitalize on our fertility. We need to capitalize on the structural soundness. Um, we, we need to get out the word through maybe some maternal, regional maternal summits and uh, more aggressive marketing uh, programs for Hereford influence females. Uh, those are all things that the Breed Association can do. But simultaneously, I, I need to say one other thing, Shane. It, it's, it's not just about getting the word out about the value of these Hereford cattle. It's also pressing on the accelerator as Hereford breeders to make certain that you're eliminating all those issues uh, that, that people know have, have created baggage for your breed, right? Because um, mm -hmm. frankly, we did hear, hear that on those focus groups as well. People who have a negative perception, they want to talk about udders, they want to talk about cancer eye, they, they want to talk about those kind of traits um, that many people that I talked to in the Hereford breed uh, are saying those are those are long since gone, but other people saying we, we just can't we, we just can't have any tolerance for that. So, uh, so let's make sure that we focus on this, this ability to, to, to bring a structural sound cow, a, a cow that uh, converts feed efficiently, that, that raises these big calves, that comes back bred, and, uh, and whether it's, um, you know, crossing her on a, on a British uh, cow or, or on a Brahma female, um, there's just lots of value in this, uh, in this first strategy. I think one of the things, just talking to membership, here during the, the annual meeting was the, the amount of progress and commitment that has been made on utter quality as a whole has been good. You know, mm -hmm. is there more room that can be made? Uh, certainly sure. there always is. Yes. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, those, those folks that still have that, uh, perception in their mind, it's, it's getting some semen into some of those efforts projects. It's, it's getting the proof out there to show them. And then once that happens, oh man, you know, it's a wave that's coming. 
and it goes to the other thing I would highlight is, um, you know, relative to that, that maternal uh, ability is finding the sweet spot for milk. You and I both know that in some cases, you know, Herefords have been criticized for too little milk. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in an environment that we're in, uh, there are some commercial cow herds out there that say they have too much milk today. And so that's where it's going to take some stockmen and some breeders to say on this set of cows, uh, this more moderate milk Hereford bull is going to work best. On this set of cows, we are going to have to bring in uh, some of our higher milking uh, kind of uh, kind of Hereford genetics. So so I think that milk equation is going to tie directly into our ability to do what commercial cattlemen want, which is make sure that female stays in the herd, doesn't milk herself to death and come back as an open three-year-old kind of the optimums and maximums that we were talking about. Right. You know, and exactly. so, um, <laughs> that's a great, great lead into strategy two. And I think strategy one and two really feed off of each other. Uh, yes. Obviously we're going to tackle, uh, another frontier in part of strategy two here, but, uh, you know, they all fit together. Uh, these two fit together a lot. Yeah, and strategy two is around documenting, communicating, and improving Hereford's sustainability story. Um, you know, I get around the industry a lot, and, and uh, you know, different people have different thoughts about the word sustainability, you know. Mm-hmm. But in reality, when, when you think about sustainability as, as you know, economic sustainability, uh, social sustainability, environmental sustainability, this is not just only about environment and methane. This is about a sustainability story that, that that allows us to pass the ranches on to the next generation of uh, of folks, and um, and, and I don't think uh, anybody uh, that is sober in their judgment can look at what's happening in our country and around the world and believe for a moment that this is just going to go away. People are going to want and demand um, that that those of us that are raising their beef are doing it in a sustainable way. And so when we talked about this, uh, number one, it's about, you know, yeah, the best way to reduce the amount of methane that's emitted per per pound of beef produced is to make sure that every cow gets bred, every cow has a calf every year, and to make certain that uh, we are breeding cattle that are requiring fewer inputs for the outputs they're creating. Mm-hmm. Well, that's music to the Hereford industries, you know, the Hereford breeds ears, because for a long time, you've been collecting data as it relates to feed efficiency. And, yes. uh, and I think there's a, there's a, there's a great uh, story to be told there that ties nicely into that sustainability story. Mm-hmm. When it comes to social sustainability, you know, the, 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 the reality is people want to know that their animals and their beef is coming from animals that are treated well. And, uh, you know, a lot of times from a consumer standpoint, if you look at the work that the beef checkoff has done, you'll see that many consumers, when they hear the word sustainability, they immediately think of animal care as opposed to the environment. Uh, So you'll see one of the initiatives getting more of your Hereford breeders to get BQA certified and being able to tell the story of of how people are caring for these animals. Obviously, the docility advantage in the Hereford breed, I think, speaks to one of the things that can be a real advantage as it relates to the um, you know, the, 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 the social sustainability, you don't like employees getting hurt by cattle, um, whether that's in the cow-calf operation or feed yard or packing industry or what have you. And then, of course, um, you know, one of the things that, that we talked about in this strategy, Shane, is to, to, to really utilize some of the baseline data you have, but take the next step and really document a, a leadership position or, or create a leadership position in the industry for, for capturing more information into the overall, you know, carbon footprint of beef cattle production um, and, and developing models and potentially EPDs that help us understand animals that are uh, incrementally better than others as it relates to uh, delivering more output for the amount of methane that they, they emit. And uh, the project you have going at our old alma mater at Colorado State University is an incredibly exciting project. And just as a beef industry observer, I'm anxious to, to, to see what you all learn from that. Yeah, it's, it is fun. You know, and those of you that were here during the educational forum, Kim Stackhouse, Dr. Kim Stackhouse, uh, uh, with the CSU ag next group, uh, that, uh, we would have talked a little bit about, uh, podcast or two ago with, um, uh, Mr. Craig Huffines, 
we kind of introduced that project to the membership uh, over the podcast and uh, this summer, but uh, Kim was here and she shared a little bit more of the in-depth uh, kind of workings and uh, the reasons why, you know, this has been uh, such a hot topic. And uh, it's one of the things that I took away from her talk was if this was about science, this would have been squashed a long time ago. <laughs> But unfortunately, this is driven by emotion. Yeah. And and as leaders in the beef business uh, and and protectors of our livelihood. Yes. You know, uh, we're emotional people as well, but uh, we got to deliver the facts and uh, get get to a place where uh, we can we can establish a baseline uh, where Hereford fits. Uh, we have a pretty good idea where they fit. But, uh, you know, I think this is definitely an exciting chapter. Yeah. Uh, that will follow up some of our earlier research that we've done. And I think it's important, Shane, that, um, you know, by by taking a leadership position on this effort, uh, hopefully you get to create the rules as opposed to play by someone else's rules. And I think that's what we have to remember in the beef industry. Let's step up to the plate. Let's help craft the metrics. Let's help craft the management practices let's let's lead in that effort as opposed to having them handed to us right and and i think that's critical one other thing i want to mention about this and i'd be remiss if i if i didn't before we go on to the next strategy from a board standpoint i sensed a real commitment from the board shane or a real desire i should say from the board to 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 really try to increase the the number of phenotypes and genotypes that are collected by your association you can't do any of this work in in identifying uh, the good ones from the bad ones or separating the good ones from the bad ones unless we get members to actually collect and submit more phenotypes and genotypes. Um, so, so you know that some of the goals, specific goals that we set and established were around, you know, measurements for feed intake, measurements for genotyping and improving the, the amount of data that comes into the American Herford Association. Yeah, we're looking forward to that challenge. It's a it's a good challenge here as a staff. We've already had some pretty good meetings around uh, those those uh, those measurements uh, yeah. to to deem if we get an A or we get a, a C on this yes. strategic plan over the last uh, five years. And that's that's why this plan is so important uh, uh, for us as staff. We we set goals uh, within these, and uh, this this is what we're measured on. Uh, to deliver and, and, and get this done. So we're excited about that. I think it'll be a good challenge. You know, I, I like the progression of, of, of these strategies. And I think, you know, learning more about what's inside of them, I think does maybe help un, better understand, you know, why we put them together. But, uh, you know, the, the story, the messaging, you know, around sustainability and uh, how we care for our animals and, uh, the great rich story of the Hereford breed feeds right into certified Hereford beef. Mm -hmm. And without, so strategy without three. Yeah. And, and um, you know, as I said before, um, there's no doubt that people are not interested in eating a tough, dry steak and saying, yeah, but this animal was raised in a sustainable way. Let's be clear about that. I mean, they they have had their palates um, satiated by the delicious taste of grain-fed beef in the United States, high-quality grain-fed beef in the United States, and, and they're not going back. Um, and, and so uh, let's be clear about that. Having said that, I think what we learned from some of the information uh, from, from some of the market researchers that we brought into that board meeting, Shane, is that... Um, this is going to be a characteristic and a quality that there's going to be a segment of consumers that are willing to pay more because it is both high quality and sustainability, sustainably raised. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I do think there may be some opportunities for you longer term if you're able to document some specific advantages and differences to, to really create a differential advantage, you know, around this story. Who, who is, you know, how can you be more sustainable than, the, than the, the proud history and heritage you have in the United States um, as a Hereford breed. But as we talked about the, the certified Hereford beef strategy, um, you know, I, I would tell you that there were some people in the initial interviews that questioned and challenged us to say, 
you know, the Hereford Association has to decide whether or not it's committed to this and, and managing this brand or whether it wants to sell it or license it or do something else with it and, and allow somebody who's in the meat business all day, every day to do that. And, and here's what we learned, Shane. You know, when we went and to the members, it was absolutely evident that the members believe this is one of the core ways that you are going to be able to, to, to create pull-through demand for your breed. And so the membership is very, very committed uh, to the certified Hereford Beef brand. Uh, it wants you to devote more resources to that. Uh, it it uh, desires that uh, that you broaden the number of distributors that, you know, that again, that, that, that we find ways to increase the number of pounds distributed. Um, and, and, and we're going to do that by creating some innovative marketing programs uh, to, to help distributors. Um, you know, you're going to continue exploring the sustainability claims and ways to differentiate yourselves. Uh, we talked about the need to um, constantly both communicate the carcass performance that, that you're seeing in these Hereford cattle to, uh, to certified Hereford beef customers and also to the membership so that we are building this robust pipeline of Hereford influenced cattle that qualify for your brand and, and ring the bell at the, the consumer level. So, so I think this is this is a, a, an important strategy for your association. I think the uh, the branded meat case is becoming more crowded. Um, there is a, a lot of competition here, and uh, it will be critical that you all get very very serious about how are we going to differentiate ourselves from lots of other products in the meat case, um, and and how are we going to, to to demonstrate and document that differentiation so that we can create a premium in the marketplace. Undoubtedly. And, uh, you know, the, the story is built in, you know, as you kind of said, Kevin, to, to really have a, a jumping off point here. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, the time is now, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an urgent matter of business and, uh, you know, we're going to fuel up and, and get going, uh, with this strategy. So with that, um, you know, Pull through demand with uh, certified Hereford beef uh, creates more demand for Hereford influence feeder cattle. So, again, another strategy that feeds into another. And uh, you know, this is this is near and dear to several of us that are in the beef business um, that uh, enjoy using red hided cattle mm -hmm. uh, for for obvious reasons and benefits. Sure. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got to work, uh, to develop that, uh, that marketplace, uh, where they take off the, the blinders and, uh, focus on the quality of the cattle. I mean, it's 2022 <laughs> and it's, it's time to do it. Yeah. Without question. And, and Shane, the, you know, it, it, we've tucked this down into strategy four and I want to, <clears throat> pardon me, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. The order of these strategies uh, really is not indicative of the importance of them. Okay, it, it is uh, it is difficult to say that one is more important than the other. And in fact, as as we did a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, the number one threat, if you'll recall, was the the demand or the lack of demand for Hereford influence feeders and fats. And so, this this was the area that people are really really concerned about. You know, that could limit your growth long term. And, and, and we had people make a comment that, um, you know, uh, it's harder and harder to move red hided or smoky cattle. Uh, and, and that uh, uh, somebody made a comment that, that auction markets make more breeding decisions and bull buying decisions than anybody else. You know, and when your local auction market uh, uh, fella is telling you to, to make them black, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what uh, your local Hereford breeder is telling you. And, and, and so I think this is critically important to, uh, to the long-term success of the breed of how do we create increased demand for Her Herford influence feeder cattle. And, and, and let's be clear. I mean, it begins by demonstrating, documenting that these cattle are high quality. That's why capturing more data on these cattle to demonstrate how these cattle are performing and converting in the feed yard and ultimately how they're hanging on the rail is going to be critically important in uh, in delivering that story but once we have that story um you we got to we got to tell it and, and i think there's a lot of uh, excitement 
around uh, the decision you made earlier to, to to put that feeder cattle marketing representative in the field. I think having boots on the ground to actually have people focused on um, feeder calves and building relationships with livestock markets and feed yards is really, really important. I'm anxious to see how that that um, pans out and plays out over the next couple of years. We, we, we talked about, you know, engaging with video auction markets and, and making certain that, um, that that we're tracking the Hereford cattle and the, the Hereford influence cattle going through there and, and, and that we're promoting that. And, and then, you know, one of the things that we've got to do is constantly remind people, if you want to make valuable feeder cattle, here are some best practices. Shane, I'll be interested or honest with you. Um, there is some feeling among some of the feed yards that I talked about that still complain about the health issues they have with Hereford cattle. But as we talk to the board, I think one of the questions becomes, is that because they were Hereford cattle or is that because they were coming from organizations or ranches or, um, or, 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 or cattle producers that haven't set them up right in terms of backgrounding and vaccinating and so forth? So we got to make sure that we're, we're set up for success. And then the last thing that I would say, and you all spent some time with uh, Tom Brink talking about this at your at your meeting, but um, you know your involvement in this cross industry task force to to try to address the red headed discount. I agree with you, Shane. I mean, we are in 2022, and if we truly believe that the color of hide is the most accurate prediction of the profitability of an animal. Uh, then I'm not certain why all of us as purebred breeders are going through all these efforts and activities to track EPDs and pull genomics on cattle and and so on and so forth. I don't I don't think anybody that is a breeder and is a student of of genetics um, could could look at this effort and disparage it uh, because in reality we all benefit or we should benefit. Mm-hmm. from helping people discern the difference between the best and the worst genetics and creating a valuation system that gives people more profit and incentive for creating better cattle than uh, poorer cattle. And um, and certainly the color of hide may be an indicator, but it's only one indicator. Yeah, that'll, that'll be exciting where that goes. Um, those of you that were at annual meeting, uh, uh, Tom Brink uh, with the Red Angus Association joined Jack in a in a joint presentation and an effort that we are a part of, and you know we've had a great relationship with Red Angus, and we look forward to this uh, task force uh, progressing. And you'll hear more about that here uh, throughout the winter months as uh, that task force gets fully formed and more information will come out on it. But uh, it, it it's a it's a very needed effort. Um, and we look forward well, to being a part of it. Yeah. And one last thing, I mean, let, let me be clear. Um, you know, this is not about disparaging any color of cattle. Mm-hmm. This is about identifying, um, uh, basically commercial ways, w- w- methods that are commercially viable at scale for us to try to define and, and ascertain the differences okay. in the genetic merit of animals and to align that then with a marketing system that pays more for um, for, for animals that have the, the the ability to be more profitable and more useful and more valuable to the industry. So for me, it's not about hide color. Hide color is what's causing the frustration that, that people are saying, gosh, if that's the only thing that makes my calves worth $5 more a hundred than your calves. Um, but but what we're really after is saying, how can we inform the industry so that people can make more intelligent choices and align the money they're paying with the value that is potentially created? So strategy five, our last strategy, uh, build a pipeline of future leaders. Yeah, as we said before, um, you know, I would be remiss to to, to not address the issue that um, you know, the junior program is, uh, you know, far and away uh, one of the biggest uh, assets of the uh, of the American Hereford Association. We hear that um, over and over in our interviews that, uh, you know, one, one person said, you know, don't lose the quality of youth going through our program, uh, no, no matter what their skill set or interest is in the industry. The, the junior program is 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 a wonderful way to make certain that that the breed is here, that we have interested 
uh, and informed and, and prepared uh, young people to, uh, to take over the reins of the Hereford breed. And if they don't go on to be Hereford breeders, at least to be representatives in the beef industry that are uh, advocates for Hereford cattle and, and beef in general. And so, uh, so I want to make make clear that uh, this, in by no means, is is uh, suggesting that we place any less emphasis on on what has been a uh, an absolute crown jewel for your organization. But but what we want to talk about is is going beyond that. And so uh, we talked about things, Shane, like creating onboarding processes for new members. Um, how do we set new members up to be successful? Mm-hmm. How do we set new board members up to be successful? Um, you know, we talked about uh, various different educational programs and, um, you know, creating more hands-on skill development activities uh, that really help our members become better and more informed cattle breeders and cattle handlers and, and managers of beef cattle. Um, you all do a great job with leadership conferences, but, but there's always more that can be done or different audiences that could be addressed. Um, you know, and one of the things that, that um, I thought was kind of interesting is that uh, the board was really excited about maybe mentoring opportunities that could exist. Right. They see that the average age of, of the Hereford breeder, like many people in the cattle industry, is getting older. And while I think our, our, our surveys indicated that more than 50% of your membership believes that their operation is, is on the path to be handed down to another generation within their family, that leaves 40 or 50% of folks that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And so connecting young people with an interest in the, in the Hereford breed and the cattle industry with some of these, uh, these mentors that, that could help um, at the very minimum teach them skills, but uh, potentially even find ways to, uh, to pass their operations or to transition ownership onto young people that may not have grown up with that opportunity. I thought that was a really exciting idea as well. So lots of commitment to making certain that uh, we are developing leaders, not only at the junior level, but throughout folks' lives and membership in the organization so that they can serve as as leaders, not just in your organization, but the beef industry at large. Very good. So those are the five strategic plans and kind of yeah. a little bit of the, the insight uh, within those strategies uh, relative to the initiatives yep. and goals uh, that will be kind of set forth. And so uh, the report card's been set, right, Kevin? Uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, I, I think as uh, staff and, and folks uh, involved here at the AHA office, uh, we kind of have our mar- marching orders. But, you know, maybe speak from a membership standpoint, you know, how 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 can members get involved and, and, and why is this important for members to kind of uh, take a peek at and, and, and see how they can help? Yeah, I would say a, a couple things. Number one, um, we we didn't spend much time today talking about the specific goals and metrics that you just mentioned, Shane. And I think that's important um, for folks to understand that we don't. These are not just a Christmas wish list of things we hope to do. Uh, you all have stepped up to the plate and have established some very specific goals and metrics that you are going to be um, gauging yourselves on, and the board, frankly, will be. Uh, monitoring uh, over the next several years. And and so let's be clear that there are some very specific targets painted on the wall. We've not shared those today, but those do exist. And I think that's critically important. Uh, So what can members do? Your your, your question. Um, Herb Kelleher, the fellow who started um, Southwest Airlines, made a comment once. He said, uh, we have a strategy around here. It's called doing things. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, so much of the progress of any breed organization depends on not the staff doing things. It depends on individual members stepping up and saying, all right, when it comes to capitalize on the value of these Hereford influence females, how can how can me and two or three breeders get together and, and stand up a, um, a baldy female sale next spring? You know, what can I do? And, and then give the association a call to say, what resources do you all have to help us? How can you help us? Um, you know, it's it's the whole issue of saying, all right, we want to make these these cattle more valuable to uh, to, to feeders, and 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 we want to make sure that people are not discounting Hereford cattle. Well, send some steers off the feed out program. Let's let's get clear about how we're doing at creating the cattle that add value to the beef industry. Uh, that's something that, as an individual breeder, uh, you can kind of own. You know, when we talk about um, th- this whole sustainability story and and documenting where our cattle sit in terms of feed efficiency. 
Um, you know, what are you doing as a breeder to capture feed efficiency data? Uh, what are you doing to submit phenotypic data on, on your cattle? What are you doing to submit genotypes? Um, carcass data records, I think, are, are really the next frontier in the beef industry and, and getting more actual pedigree-based carcass data in, in, in breed associations is going to be incredibly valuable at, uh, at improving the, the, the trend line changes that we're making and improvements in, in carcass. So those are areas that I think each breeder, Shane, can look at these five strategies and say, what can I personally do to move the ball forward? And then call the association to say, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about putting some um, C-lock units or, or um, some grow safe units in my own operation. How can you guys help me set this up? Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are the kinds of things that, uh, that folks can be begin doing as, as individual breeders and members. Well, Kevin, it's uh, been a joy and um, you know, working with both you and uh, Dr. Tom field in this process uh, was, was special, um, you know, just because of uh, our ties back to the Colorado State days and uh, yeah. just the impact that you guys have had uh, on the industry is what uh, was was an incredible kind of journey through this strategic plan. So good, we 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 really appreciate your efforts, and I know uh, it's not done because uh, you'll be checking in with us to see uh, what's going on and That's how right. we're getting along because this this is basically the launch pad and uh this this plan will run through 2027 yeah that's exactly right this is meant to be a five-year plan uh it's not going to be accomplished in in a day and let's be honest um you know something could happen 24 months from now that that surprises us we've seen <laughs> we've seen that uh, that we can get surprised right and 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 may cause us to to implement some contingency plans and to, to rethink one of these strategies or how we're approaching that so we, we we've got to constantly be flexible i know one of the quotes that i shared with 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 you all in the strategic planning process was from race car driver colin mccray that said straight roads are for fast cars and and turns are for fast drivers and, and, and Shane, I think we got to be fast drivers, right? I mean, we recognize that in the world we live in five years as an eternity, and, and we've got to be ready to be nimble. But I think what a strategic plan does is uh, instead of the staff being pulled one way and the next way as a new president comes every year, it creates a level of continuity and a level of direction saying, remember, these are our five pillars. These are our key priorities. Here's the direction the, the association is going. And, and it's difficult for a staff to make meaningful progress when they feel like they are being pushed and pulled every time a new president or a new three board members comes on the board. So that's that's the value of a strategic plan. Um, I, I think the, the other thing that I would say, Shane, um, that, that I want to challenge the breeders with and challenge you all as, as, um, as staff, um, you, you know, we, we talk about two primary risks in business, one being um, missing the boat, okay, um, and one being sinking the boat, you know, and um, we, 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 it was very clear as we talked, uh, Tom and I talked to a lot of folks in these focus groups, that the thing that Hereford breeders are most concerned about is not sinking the boat, they're most concerned about missing the boat. They are concerned about missing an opportunity, not being bold enough, not being aggressive enough, not reaching out there and taking a few risks to, to really capitalize on some of the momentum you have. And so I want to challenge everybody listening and have been, you know, kind enough to listen to the end of this podcast. Um, what can you do to make certain you as a breeder and you as a Hereford breed don't miss the boat? What can you do to make sure you capitalize on the momentum and that uh, you are not so risk averse, uh, worried about sinking the ship, that you don't capitalize on some of the incredible opportunities that are sitting right in front of you as a breed? That's my challenge. Well said, Kevin. Thank you for your time uh, today with us and uh, all you've done for the breed and uh, your dedication to, to this process. I'd encourage you to go to Hereford.org and uh, dig into the strategic plan. It is up on the website. Uh, and and um, 
just check it out and uh, we'll we'll be giving more updates uh, throughout uh, the next months and and years on progress and you'll see the various articles and uh, campaigns that we have relative to uh, these initiatives uh, within it but uh, go ahead and check it out again as we started off uh, this is just our first segment in covering our educational forum and some of the key highlights out of that uh, I'd encourage you to look for more episodes here coming up in the near future on uh, our podcast, 1881, covering some of those topics from the educational forum. And then as well, in the December Hereford world, you'll find full coverage from everything that happened uh, during the great week that we had here in Kansas City. So thank you, membership. Appreciate you listening in. And with that, we're signing off. Thanks for tuning in to the American Hereford Association's podcast, 1881, with host Shane Bedwell. For more information, visit hereford.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.